Hello there. Mark Backer here. Welcome to part two of This Is Not The Podcast You're Looking For. Episode one, A Search For New Hope. Thanks for coming back, guys, and I really hope you enjoy the conclusion to this episode. Enjoy the rest of the show. And once again, may the force be with you. Back to what we were talking about before, you would repeatedly say to me, stop complaining about it because quite frankly, I can't listen to this shit anymore. And I remember in the early years being so destroyed and hurt because I don't trust many people. I don't let a lot of people in. People think they know me because maybe I'm the funny guy or, or you know, I'm very free with what I talk about, but no one truly deeply, right? The ones that truly deeply know me, I will complain and complain and complain and complain and complain and complain, <laughs> just keep going. And all I want is somebody to say, you're good enough. It's okay. You're not a failure. Because no different than, you know, imagine if, if Luke sought out Obi-Wan and he finds him and he says, you know, you must become a Jedi like your father and you have this ability. And Luke goes, no, I don't believe you. I'm just, I'm going to keep being a moisture farmer. And they're like, no, 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 Luke, you have powers. You, you can change this. No, I'm just stuck being a moisture farmer because then who's, who's going to take the water out of the sand? and you know, I'll just talk to Biggs when he's out there and, you know, he's, he's making a difference working for the rebellion, fighting for the rebellion. And, and that's who I was. And again, that, that's your uncle talking. Yes, absolutely. But the uncle, that's, the that's father, the mother, the yeah. brother, the sister, mm -hmm. it just, exactly. but it's interesting because that's what you pointed out, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the why you were able to return to that. And that's what I want people to hear out there. Mm -hmm. that if you want to change, the change is inside. Accept mm -hmm. the force. I don't care what you call it. I don't care. It could be God. It could be the force. It could be the Buddha. It could be Allah. It, it doesn't matter. It's within you to make the changes, to bring about whatever it is you're looking for, not without struggle and pain and everything. And again, now being 50, 51 technically, and rewatching Star Wars and talking to you about it and now going through Campbell and the hero's journey and all of these things that, my God, it's been indoctrinated since I was five and you were eight or nine. This theology hmm. and to understand it now when you and I talk or I talk to other people about Star Wars, you know, and, and they do the normal like, oh, wasn't it cool when and you know, whether it's an argument about the sequels or the prequels or whichever ones. And you and I have talked about now, it's about which movies spoke to us, which continued with the mythos and the psychology and the philosophy. And to be able to look into, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and I would jump in and say, they cover several stages of life, actually. And depending, I think, where you are on your own journey, you can take, and again, I'll just say the first six episodes, the ones that actually Lucas did, you can sort of look where you're on that journey. And you were referencing that you went through very dark times. You had a you know, really shitty upbringing. And so I think you look at the first three films, 
uh, or episode one, two, and three, and you'll see a lot of Anakin moments in there where there was the darkness that crawls up into you and you give in, you know, as the emperor always tempts, you know, give into that hate, give into that anger and act from that because you know what? It's a powerful tool. Anybody who's ever been really angry, and I remember you, I remember us being in a martial arts class and, and our teacher, I, I don't even know what he did. I'm sure he didn't even do much because he was a very gentle and very, very, you know, wonderful and loving and caring uh, a teacher. But somehow you ended up beating the shit out of a, a trash can, a garbage can, right? I don't even know what you had. Did you have any sticks that we were, we, we, we were fighting with sticks or something? And you would just club the shit out of it. And you were so in that. Yeah. You broke his. So, and, but, and look at the power that it gives you, you know? And that's what bullies actually use. They always go to that energy and they go, ah, you know, I'm going to destroy you. And so, it is something that can give you a sense of power, power and strength and, and control, you know? And if you, if you, if you stay within that energy, it, obviously you can, you know, people have made careers on these energies and people started wars with these energies. So you can get to places. Ultimately, you know, you destroy a lot of stuff, if not everything around you. And um, that's that basically what me. these first, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I know I have it in me to kill somebody. And that's what's mm. scary. And that's what led mm. me on this isolationism and borderline agoraphobia. Yes. And I didn't want to leave because I knew if I got tipped the wrong way. And I'm not a fighter. I'm not a violent person. I hate violence. I abhor violence. But it's mm. like when, when something that the mother, the father, the brother, the sister, you know, the close friends, anyone, if anyone would criticize me, it would just... <laughs> instant instant explosion and it would scare me because hmm. i wouldn't remember any of it that's the scary part it wasn't a uh, thought, right i would go full sip you would you literally go to the dark side yes i would go to the dark side and, uh, so here's here's where i i kind of want to go next with this because again mm -hmm. i know you but the listening audience doesn't you growing up you're now fully integrated afi you're mm. writing, you're creating, mm. you're directing, right? Mm. You've had films that, you know, have some liked, some didn't like, some worked, some didn't work, but then you had a transformative shift. Mm. You thought, hey, this is my path. I'm going on this path to be a filmmaker. You know, I, I mm. want to be the next Lucas or I want to be the next Ridley Scott or Terrence Malick or, or Vim Benders or whoever. And then you had a cosmic shift, mm. right? What happened and where did mm. it lead you? Because I know this is all, once again, still hero's journey stuff because I yeah. saw your journey, just to tease it a little bit, I saw your journey and I thought, oh, well, you know, you're, we'll start directing bigger movies and he'll bring me along, right? He'll bring me along. I don't have to do any work. I just know he'll bring me along. And there was something that happened that shifted you away Mm. from from direct Hollywood away from Hollywood and mm. we weren't really talking at the time because I I went super dark and I mm. went back to my toxic friends who were just all about you know working for the weekend very lover boyish and you know we're all sports and sports <laughs> and sports and sports and sports and sports and I I gave up my identity my nerd stuff mm. and since now I was devoid of any identity the natural course of action was for me to become Mr. Sports Guy, 
Mr. Sports Maniac. And then when I found out you left Hollywood, it destroyed me. It absolutely destroyed me and sunk me even deeper into a depression because you were my, my creative lifeline. Like one of my best friends does special effects makeup, but that wasn't an avenue that I wanted to go into. But you were that, that, you know, that, that anchor that as long as you were there, I knew my dream would never die. And then you walked away and I, I remember just almost to the point of arguing with you. You can't give up. This is your dream. You know, I was all this transference because I didn't want mm-hmm. to. I want you to just, just tell everybody what the mm-hmm. shit was, why it was, what happened. Because I know I never understood why, but now I want you to explain the why <laughs> behind your shift and your, your altering of the hero's journey. There is two more pivotal moments I want to share that, again, involve Star Wars changing or shifting my path in life. As I went to film school and I was very young, most people in that directing program were in their 30s and had already some extensive work or, or, or um, you know, other educational experience. And I was very motivated in my, in my teens and my late teens to learn everything about the craftsmanship of, of, of filmmaking. So I, you know, I shot a lot of films. I did stop motion. Um, I, I watched movies and I analyzed films. So I had a technical understanding of film. So when I got to, into film school, I was quite savvy on that, on that part. But I had forgotten something. Something had completely fallen out of focus. The, re, the why? Why am I making a film? I was making films because I was loving pointing the camera at things and lighting things and doing dolly moves and crane shots and the editing of it and putting music and sound to it. So I was just loving the process of it. But the content had completely sort of fallen, fallen by the wayside, right? And, and so as I was in film school, I made, we called them cycle projects. They were little short films you make as you go through the program, right? And one of the films I made was actually an alien movie because I was always a fan of the, you know, the alien franchise. And I had a, what? I made a little, I made a 15 minute alien movie and I had a great producer who actually somehow got into the archives of 20th Century Fox and they, they had us, uh, they gave us a suit, I think from the second or third film. Yeah. The third film, I think it was, I don't remember. Anyhow, so (laughs) let us have it for a week. So that, then we found some other guy who had built these eggs that could open up. I had a friend in Germany who'd built a face hugger, um, which was kind of fun because my friends then came to visit as I was constantly visited by my friends from Germany. And uh, one of them had the face hugger in his uh, carry-on. And when he went through customs in LA, they <laughs> made him open the, the suitcase and out came this face hugger and and he said he, they had the entire airport i mean this is pre 9-11 so it wasn't so bad but um he basically had a lot of weird questions to answer what the hell this thing was he was carrying i'm sure to finally explain finally explain that this was just a movie prop and uh you know not some please, weird virus that he was importing importing so anyhow me. so you have this please tell me you have this somewhere where we can post it I I would have to dig through my VHS tape archives because this is you know um, late nineties. Um, I don't care. Yeah, we can so, digitize it. It'll be incredible. Yeah. So long story short, I made this film 
I was, you know, fascinated. I had a roommate who's now become a huge Hollywood production designer who was already being a, who was already a production designer who was dabbling into special effects. So he did a little spaceship animation in the beginning, and then we had literally all these crazy special effects. Oh yeah, I had the the the, the costumes from uh, Starship Troopers. We had like these vests that they were wearing. Wearing, yeah. So it was I was living the nerd Hollywood dream. And the problem, though, was I was so fascinated with doing all this stuff and making my own alien movie, I didn't know why I was making it. So I made this film. It didn't turn out really great. It looked great, but the story was just really, really poor. And they ripped me a new one in the analysis directing class, because when you film, when you finish your film, you obviously screen it in the class. And then, you know, your directing teacher, which was Rick Rosenthal at the time, the, you know, the, the, the famous director is done. Halloween Four, Rick Rosenthal. <laughs> yeah, that one. But his claim to fame was one of the films that I really liked, which was you know the um, Sean Penn movie, um, Bad, Boys. Bad Boys. Yeah. So anyhow, so he really ripped me apart. Uh, I'd, I'd already done two films prior to that that I think you know were pretty well received and well critiqued, and that one he just literally he he tore into me and he's like, "Why did you make this film? What's this about? What's the theme?" What are you trying to say? And I had no answers. I mean, the answer was basically, uh, uh, well, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, and he said, you don't have a theme. So you don't know why you made this movie. Long story short, I was so humiliated and embarrassed because I had people laughing. They also, some of my directing fellows were laughing as the film was screened, not because there was anything funny or even bad, but just because they saw how pretentious or pompous it was you know when i i was the only one who had a spaceship landing in a, in a little you know film school project at the time today this would be a different story because it's much easier to recreate but back in, in the late 90s that was like really complicated so i was so embarrassed and ashamed that i swore to myself i will never ever be so humiliated and not know anything about story and hence i was set on this path to become a master of storytelling and one of the things that re- yes. I was really bad at this. I didn't know anything about storytelling. And by storytelling, I don't mean, again, the technicality of it. I understand three structure and, you know, what turning points are and where what goes. But that's all just, you know, that's like, that's like signs along the road. You know, if you don't know where you're driving, who cares that you know how to, you know, you, you know what a stop sign is, you know? Right. So I went and from that humiliation, so I was so embarrassed. Um, I, I went into this year long, um, I took a deep dive into storytelling and Star Wars came back into my life because I, I had to ask myself, why am I here? I'm sitting in Hollywood. I'm doing this film school thing and I don't even know why. Interesting. And I, I remember I love Star Wars. And then I said, but why do I love Star Wars? Why? And I was almost like, why did you do this to me? Why did you put this pipe dream into my head? Why did you make me fall in love with this, fall in love with my creativity, basically spend, I mean, from, my, from like 15, 16 years all on, I was prepping myself to get into film schools. They're so competitive to get into. So I spent half of my youth all this time, you know, training and educating myself and practicing this stuff so I could finally get into a film school, which then I did with the 23. And and there I was in LA living the dream and I did not know why. I had nothing to say. And it was it pulled the rug out under my feet. 
So long story short, Star Wars came back to my life because that was the thing that I had pointed my finger at. And I said, what the, what did you do to me? Why did you do this? You're making a mockery of me. And you were how and old because of that, How old? Uh, you know, maybe this point, this is maybe a year into my study. So maybe it was like 24, 25 max. So I sat there and I don't know who it was or how. I, I probably think it was actually Macarena, who you also know, but that's now beside the point. She was my girlfriend and producer at the time. And she had come across the video series of Joseph Campbell. And she said, oh, did you, did you hear about this guy? He, you know, he talks about what, what Star Wars is about. And I was like, excuse me, come again? She's like, yeah. And he's like, this is like about, you know, why Star Wars is so, you know, so meaningful. And I was like, oh. So I run, we had a library at the uh, Film Institute. So I go and check this stuff out and kaboom, it just, it, I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, that's what this is about? That's what, that's why. Which book? Well, it was, at first it was a video series, you know, it was a bunch of video series. It it was the Bill Moyer interviews. And then it was, I think it was Masters of Eternity or Masters of God, where it's just, you know, tons of lectures, you know, like 20 hours of his lectures or something. And then of course I got to the hero's journey, but it just blew my mind. It blew my mind on everything. It blew my mind, obviously on, on, on understanding Star Wars and by understanding Star Wars about why I was now sitting in Hollywood trying to make Star Wars. And then um, it also blew my mind just on, on literally also on God, you know, because he's, you know, he's Joseph Campbell was into comparative religions and, 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 and that just opened me up to understanding why I wasn't connecting to Christian mythology, you know, why I hadn't understand or understood the symbolisms and why Star Wars symbolisms was so relevant. And I know we'll be, you know, diving deep, much deeper into that and into the, uh, in the next, in the next episodes. But it was, again, a huge transformation and then began my journey as becoming a, a fanatic story expert. And I, and I read everything, obviously, you know, the obvious, the folklore and the McKee books, which are all about storytelling, which is sort of the standard, you know, literature you read when you become a Hollywood writer, obviously the Campbell stuff. And I just studied films and films and I, and I looked at it and now I was all about what do the films mean? What are they trying to say to us? So I was all about the meaning of it. And long story short, um, that got me to, you know, some success by writing screenplays that sold for a lot of money and ultimately accumulating in me making this film, which, you know, is a different story because that was not a positive experience. Um, and by the way, so we don't rush mm -hmm. over it. One of those scripts is, is this the one that Spielberg was interested in? Yeah. 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 They, yeah. Absolutely. So I, I I did really sort of hit the peak, you know. That's 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 the, you know being knighted in Hollywood. If if Spielberg buys one of your scripts, I mean, if he makes them, that's another story. But that's sort of out of your control. But you know, as a writer, you can you could just hope to sell stuff. So yeah, I, I had literally gotten to that place because I was now focusing on doing really meaningful stuff and writing stuff that was affecting people on a, a deeply deeply emotional and psychological level. Then came the, the film process, which came on the heels of me having finished two screenplays. I was exhausted. I was drained. I was empty. Uh, we had money in the bank. We were one of the few companies uh, due to our producing, due to my producing partner that we had, you know, $3 million in the bank through, through an investor. And, you know, the money was just sitting there because I kept writing screenplays that I couldn't direct. They were initially all, you know, <laughs> directing projects for me that they ended up being, you know, 70, 80, 90, $100 million epic films, which at the time was sort of the the top, mm -hmm. you know, budget for Hollywood blockbusters. 
And um, so I had a few weeks to figure out another film. I I wasn't really inspired. Long, you know, the tribe came about, and we we kind of rushed that project. And I did the opposite of what I wanted to do, which I I made a film that I wasn't connected to emotionally, right. and I struggled very much to get to shove meaning into it. But it was it was all psychological. I don't think it was really heartfelt. So long story short, as I was making that film, which by the way, you were in. I was in. I was one of the characters in it. I helped you with some of the writing on it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even the other, there was another script previously. There was a a vampire script, which I just wanted to to briefly touch. That was the first time you had started to expose me. I didn't understand what my abilities and talents were. And we would sit Mm -hmm. in your apartment and, you know, I would need a good hour or so of you propping me up and saying nice things and telling me how I can do this. And, you know, you believe in me and we would fight, right? Because I'd be Mm. fighting you. But that was some of the first writing that I ever did, right? That you invited Mm. me into. And I remember feeling alive and thinking, I think I want to do this. But at the time it was like, no, Mm. I need to be an actor to win the award to stick the middle finger up. So I just wanted to throw in there that those were some of the first writing exercises and polishing and character development and dialogue and all that, that I didn't know you were teaching me, but Mm. it was like that created a codependent relationship because I always waited for that next crumb, but I I took active participation. So there was more vested in there Mm. for me. So I just wanted to throw that in that that's where the mentorship, that's where the true teachings on the creative side started to happen. Yeah, you're 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 insanely talented. You were just so in your own way at the time, but you were insanely talented. And after probing you for you know an hour or two, I would get to the creative core, and then that was that was an incredible asset because you have a talent that I don't have, which is you know you hear characters' voices and um, you can instantaneously bring them to life. And for a script that is just you know great value. I'm I'm really good at story and and the conceptual side of it, but you intuitively literally through an act of improvisation or play, you know, breathe right. life into these characters. And so I would sort of work on a scene and you would sort of, in a way, act it out with playing all the characters and I could sort of see the scene. And then right. I could obviously, you know, sort of start directing it and saying, what about this? And what about this? Anyway, it was, it was a gift of visualizing uh, something that was so otherwise just, you know, ink on paper. But as, I as I want to, I still refuse to believe you, though. And that was the funny thing. You would compliment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you're just saying that because you have to be nice. Yeah. yeah that, was, that, was, that was a very different concept to me because, again, I, I have a different past. So. But. Yeah, jamming. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the thing with the, the tribe, though, is something I don't want to get too far into because it'll, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll touch on the hero's journey and it'll have to do with the journey and, and the call to adventure and then also sort of dramaturgy of it, the writing part of the difference between yes. want and need and, and we'll get into that but I'll t- yes but I'll tell you what what another huge pivotal moment was and I think that's what you were referring to with the with the question that you asked was how Star Wars again shifted my life so again for what what reasons uh for whatever reasons I did end up leaving Hollywood because I felt very much out of place and it was the correct decision and I went back home to Germany. I had a few other things that I was very excited about, which was video games. Video games were coming up. 
And I was talking to Ubisoft. I was connected to them through my management company and I started writing video games. So that became sort of interesting. And I was also obviously, I was also talking to 20th Century Fox who wanted to open another division in Germany or sort of change their approach to the films they were making in Germany. And I had a concept at the time that was kind of a sort of a Twilight-esque story. But before you you get into that, what happened? What was the shift? Because you kind of jumped over that. You went from, you know, the tribe and then, you know, you moved to Germany and then, no, no. What happened? Because there was a, within the story, another inciting incident that just, you went, boop, time to shift. Yeah. How did well, then, Star Wars? Okay. Well, that one I think is, is, is not so much the Star Wars shift. That's why I, I wanted to sort of skip over it, but okay, you're calling me on it. Yes. So. I'll, I'll share the, the, the want and need concept. In any film, there is a so-called midpoint. And the midpoint is literally at the halfway mark of the stories of a movie's two hours. It's at the one hour mark. And pretty much if you look at the Spielberg Lucas movies, it's pretty much exactly at that mark. And what happens is the hero goes on a journey, as Luke Skywalker does, and there is a want. The hero wants something. In this case, he wants to uh, rescue the princess, right? That's sort of what the plot is. And halfway through the story, they rescue the princess. We all know when they're, you know, uh, getting her out of the cell and aren't you a little too young to be a stormtrooper, I think is the line. And now- Aren't you a little short? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Are you a little too short for a stormtrooper, right? So technically now, the movie could be, they get this princess, they get on a spaceship, story ends, right? So mission accomplished. But that's not what the hero needs to learn. The hero needs to find something else. And hence, we get the second half of the film, which is not about rescuing a princess, but about ultimately in the climax, finding something greater within himself. Mm-hmm. Luke used the force, right? So Luke's journey begins with luring him into the adventure by creating a want that he thinks he can fulfill and that will give him some sort of maybe validation or a purpose. But once you do have that, life, has set, life says, you know what? That's not what this is about. This is about something within you that you need. And that's what happened to me. I was in Costa Rica. We were shooting the tribe, which was a, for a first timer, it was a pretty big budget. It was a horror action movie set in the jungle, you know, with, you know, creature effects and stunts. So we, again, uh, you know, a little bit of an alien thing again. I was kind of overdoing it, but I stood on that set and I was the most miserable person on the planet. And I didn't understand, I didn't understand the world. I said, how could this be? Here I am living the dream. I've accomplished something that most people, and you know, we were around millions of people who wanted to be or make it in Hollywood. And here I was, you know, I sold scripts. I was in a production company. We were fully financed. And I was standing on the set as a director in Costa Rica. We even had some, you know, fairly decently famous actors and the cast, you know, with Jules State from Firefly and then Kel Nutz from uh, oh, yeah. Twilight. And, and so, it, you know, it was, it, we had, you know, we had Terry Notary, who's now become like a household name and go-to guy for, you know, anybody who acts uh, or anybody, anybody who needs like a, a King Kong character. He's done all the Planet of the Apes. You know, back in the day, he had already done Planet of the Apes for, for Tim Burton and he'd done the Silver Surfer. Anyway, so we had these, we had the riggers from the Matrix movies, you know, who had done all those bullet things where they were flying through the air. They were doing the rigging. So we had, we had, we were doing the Hollywood thing. I wasn't just making any type of film. I was really making a Hollywood film and I was miserable on set. 
And I didn't understand. I didn't understand the world. I didn't understand why I had everything I've worked for. And at this point, I don't know how old I was. Like in my in my early thirties, and since my mid teens, this is what I wanted to do. And here I was. I've done it. And it. And again, I didn't understand why I couldn't. I I I couldn't connect with it. And I always say, Hollywood never. I I never failed in Hollywood. I failed myself because I think I had put myself on a path that ultimately wasn't about becoming a famous or a successful Hollywood director. It was about that was the want. That's what I wanted. You know, I wanted I wanted to make Star Wars movies. Let's put it into that context. You know, it wasn't to me. It was never about the fame. I didn't care about that. But I wanted to make Star Wars movies because that's what I had loved. And but that's not what I needed because I wasn't George Lucas. That's not what my purpose was. And so after after the tribe. I, I I couldn't stand myself. I couldn't stand being in Hollywood. I just couldn't deal with any of it. And I had to go back home. Uh, by the way, this this is sort of at a at the 13 year mark, you know, of me already having been in Hollywood, you know, the studies and then, you know, the, the, the career. Right. So I'd been in Hollywood for a long time. It felt like that was my entire life. I went back home and I basically just, you know, had a restart, I reset everything. I, I had to move in because I didn't have a place yet. I moved in in my, my parents' house and I was back in my, you know, kids room in the room that I had lived in, you know, when I was 22, 23, when I left to AFI. And so I was back in that room and I just felt like, what happened? What did, what did the last 13 years go? What did I do? You know? And so there was a lot of soul searching that, that happened. And one of the things as I was working and, you know, I, then I did go and make another movie in New York, but the point was none of that stuff really fulfilled me. It was still me running that old sort of myth of me wanting to be a filmmaker. I also thought there's nothing else I know how to do. So this is now what I'm stuck with. You know, right. I've spent the majority of my life being in, you know, training in this. And now that's what I got to do. And I remember having this moment where I sat in my office and life felt tedious and hard and I didn't see a perspective and I was really down and out. And those are the moments when your ego sort of collapses. You're in that cave or in the trash compactor. And I remember just almost in prayer voice saying, oh, please, please just, just tell me what I, have, what I should do. What should I do with my life? And long and behold, within minutes, a tiny little voice appeared in my head and said, you've always wanted to teach. And I took that call. This is a call to adventure, by the way. And I took that call and I immediately started sending out resumes. I contacted all the film schools because I said, yes, you know what? I do want to teach. I've already written video games. I've written movies, which at the time was a very unique combination. So immediately I, I get replies back from a couple of these film schools. And they said, oh, wow, this is really great. You've written video games, you've written movies. Yeah, I mean, this would be a real asset. You know, why don't you come and teach? So I go and meet one of the professors later on at the FMX, which is a convention in Germany for special effects and, and post-production. And she says, Okay, so you want to teach? You've done this. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I would need somebody who can teach transmedia. I go, what? It's transmedia. And she says, well, um, do you know Star Wars? I go, ah, uh, yeah. eh, heard of it. She goes, well, that's kind of a transmedia thing. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. I said, I, I don't know what transmedia is, but I can teach Star Wars. She says, yeah, you'll figure it out. Just kind of, you know, put a cur curriculum together. So I go home. I Google the transmedia. I, I barely find anything on it at the time. But then I had to teach an entire class for five days. And I just basically took Star Wars apart and I started looking at, oh, what is world building? How do you build a world? And I realized that I've been doing this all my life creatively, but I now had to sort of make it academic. And I created a formula, which is now being used in film schools all across Europe. But the point is, 
that Star Wars came back and became the link for me to become a teacher. And from that, I started giving seminars. I kind of became the sort of transmedia expert in Europe. And I was, you know, at all kinds of universities and schools and events. And at one of the events in Germany, I was speaking and I was talking about, you know, that I think transmedia is the future and you have to, you know, think, you know, across different formats and you have to create a story world and not just, you know, write a story, but basically create something larger so you can translate it into different formats. And one of the people in the audience had worked with a theme park. And I mentioned that I love I'd love to work for a toy company, you know, uh, something like Lego, who was, you know, doing exactly that. They were building worlds and making toys from it and movies and cartoon series and, and comic books. And then I said, well, this is, uh, I want to, I want to do this. And they came up and said, do you want to work in a theme park? And so again, out of Star Wars came a completely new career, which was building transmedia worlds and which is now the business that I'm in. And this is much more, I think, what my love for Star Wars is really about. I thought I had to become a director and make these movies because that's what I as a child identified with. I thought that's what Lucas did. So that's what I have to do. And I realized that's not what I have to do. I actually really don't enjoy doing it. It's way too detailed for me. You know, when, you, when you're on set and people ask you 20,000 questions, it really annoys me. I'm a big picture guy, not so much a detail guy. And so that has really helped me to become the profession, the, the professional that I am today. And I've really sort of became a... Um, transmedia expert. I've been building story worlds, you know, for theme parks and video games and, and toys and comics. And, and I love creating all these different formats. Children's stories. And Children's yes, stories. and exactly. And, and, that's, and that's basically what, what this is. And that's how I ultimately ended up doing what I think Star Wars had initially invoked in me. I then intellectually interpreted as, oh, I have to go to Hollywood and make movies. That was a mistake. But only from the point of view that it, as the, you know, on my journey, that was one of the things that I had to, the want I had to overcome so I could find the need. And today I, I'm, I think even more so closely connected to Star Wars, but from a creative standpoint in, in terms of creating worlds that I think are hopefully as enjoyable for children to dive into and explore and be creative in as Star Wars was for me. Right. And guys, I'm going to put a link in the bio so you can actually see a link to Jorg's work. And you'll see, I mean, it is, it's far reaching. It's global at this point. And yours truly was fortunate enough to lend my vocal acting to not one, but two different projects of his. One being a, a very 80s based Mm-hmm. Uh, police, basically, adventure ride where I got to play a bad guy. And the other one, I, I, I got to voice some dinosaurs that plays mm-hmm. overseas, which is just the coolest mm-hmm. thing. And that's when I discovered what I felt like was my next adventure. But even that was years ago, and I still wasn't ready. And as we come to the close of this episode, one of the, the, the tenants that we'll kind of take moving through the rest of the series is the filling of the void, right? You continued on, I diverged off and had such an empty void for decades. And you further developed and understood the mythos and the philosophy. And it's only recently that I did. So in the, in the next episode, which we're really going to focus more on the neo-myth and the hero's journey, and we can get into more in-depth about how you've basically helped me to understand 
my journey at that point because I couldn't see it at all. Again, until recently, until my personal midpoint. So that's going to be exciting. This is this is one I'm really looking forward to because this is where to me has always been your bread and butter. I mean, the hero's journey, mm-hmm. right? Understanding where now you have guided and helped me in everyday life, even within a corporate job that I was damn lucky enough to get in a field that I am woefully unqualified to be in. And that doesn't offer many opportunities to utilize my creative skills, which I I didn't realize was causing me abject sadness because I wasn't following my bliss or somehow I fell off my journey. And somehow you wound up helping me navigate through all of that. So again, guys, this is this to me is just it's priceless. This is it transcends what Star Wars is and really provides a a set, you know, a, a roadmap or a guide, if you will, to help some of us out of the darkness, right? To help some of us to to see the light, run towards the light, and start to heal. Because the 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 last bit that I'll, I'll leave you with, that the most important thing that I've I've gotten out of all the lessons that you have taught me, and what is Star Wars in essence when I looked at it in a broader picture and a deeper picture, was one of the biggest things that has helped to heal my life right now at this point, and it's forgiveness. What I learned from Star Wars on a deeper scale was forgiveness. And when we get into the next episode, and that's part of my journey, was forgiveness, forgiveness of the parents, forgiveness of the siblings, forgiveness of the friends, and not forgiveness where accepting people back into your life that are toxic, but forgiveness, forgiving the behavior and why they reacted and treated me in such a way that just sent me down decades of darkness where I had the ability at any time to pivot out of it if I just understood right? If I started to utilize the things I learned from Star Wars. So I'm, I'm excited by that. And, and obviously, this goes without saying, having you here gives me comfort and strength and, and understanding and sort of a safety because, you, again, you've, you've meant that to me. I, I, I can't express how much you have helped me through the years to just be who I am, right? Or at least discover who I am. So I'm excited. Obviously, I was going to ask you, but it's already been established. You're going to join me in the other five mm-hmm. episodes of this and, and whatever comes out. And, and guys, I, I have an email set up, right? And I'll, I'll put a link in the bio. And we welcome all comments, questions. If there's things that you want us to address that might not initially be in there, this is brand new, right? This is the first time we're doing this. the first time I'm doing this. So I can't thank you guys enough for just taking a listen. And if one of you, one of you out there hears this and it affects your life, I, I would love to know that because then that to me lets us know that we're on the right path with stuff. And we're here to answer any questions or just do whatever we can to just sort of help guide you guys right towards your truths. So before we sign off, is there any last parting words that you have? I literally just want to say, may the force be with all of us, because that's what this is really about. It's about connecting to something higher. And I'm very much looking forward to taking a deeper dive into the next sort of episodes that will hopefully make this very transparent to everyone. Yes. And coming up in episode two, the hero's journey, the neo-myth, the philosophy, the magic behind Star Wars and Campbell and everything else. So thank you all 
for joining us. York, thank you from the bottom of my heart for forcing me to do this because I, we both know this is what I wanted to do and I was just scared. And guys, if you're listening out there, if I can do this, anyone can do this because the fear was so intense. The anxiety was so strong. So let's keep going. Have a great day, guys. And just a reminder, we'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and rate and review the show and send us an email. Share any of your thoughts, your feelings, your suggestions, hopefully your wins, and reach out. Email notthepod77 at gmail.com. That's N-O-T-T-H-E-P-O-D-7-7 at gmail.com. For now, always remember, do or do not. There is no try. (laughs) This is Mark Backer signing off. We'll see you in the next one.